Focus on Creative podcast, where we hear from creative experts, influencers, dreamers, and doers, what they've learned and what we can learn from their journey as we explore, respond, and create. Hi there, it's Rich here. I'm your host for the Hillsong Creative Podcast, as many of you know, because you're here with me every time we release a new episode. So welcome back. It's good to see you. Well, for you to hear me, because <laughs> I can't see you, but I, I'm so glad that you're listening and that you're a part of this whole thing with us, this journey. Hey, if you're new, it's good to have you as well. This podcast, we release it every two weeks on a Monday from Sydney, Australia, and it's really an expression of the Hillsong Creative team. And so it's us trying to get to know you and resource you and encourage you in your life, in your creativity and your faith. With that in mind, the last time we released an episode, it was Pastor Bill Johnson. And I don't know about you, but for me, uh, there's so many takeaways. It's such a paradigm shift the way he approaches life. And so I was wondering, what's your takeaway? What's the thing that you listened to last time and you thought, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to change in that area. I'm going to implement that. Bill Johnson approaches it that way. I'm going to try that. What was that one thing? for you. thought it'd be great to encourage you to remember that one thing and so that it doesn't just become another, you know, just a great episode you listen to, but there's actually some some actionable content. There's something there that you could apply to life and and to really move forward. I would encourage you, if you don't remember what it was, to maybe go re-listen to that last episode and to write it down. Jot it down in your phone or, you know, somewhere where you'll remember so that you can actually move forward in life and uh, not just hear stuff stuff and not, you know, it's like the word says, it's like looking in a mirror. If you look in a mirror and then you forget who you are as soon as you leave, then you're not really applying the, the wisdom that, you, that you're being given. So I would encourage you to go back, listen, and, and let's get on with it together. But right now in Sydney and for us at Hillsong Church around the globe, it's Vision Sunday season. I can't believe that the year is already, you know, we're already in February already. We're, we're getting into the year. We've started it with a bang. But for us, we hear from our senior pastor at Vision Sunday. And so we thought, what better person to hear from at the start of a year than Pastor Brian, uh, for you guys to hear him as well and to hear, you know, how he thinks and to bring some wisdom from him. So for this episode, we're bringing you his session from our Worship and Creative Conference, which happened in October last year. Pastor Brian talked about self. It's really a message about ego. And so I think it really applies to us all as creatives, but really just as people. We all have that inner world, you know, that goes on, that inner voice that's speaking to ourselves. And so this message really speaks to that inner voice and really gaining control of the inner voice and allowing the Holy Spirit to be the guiding figure in our inner voice instead of ourself. I'd encourage you to lean in, to be attentive, maybe write some notes and uh, enjoy Pastor Brian as he brings you this special message from our Worship and Creative Conference. So let's jump into it. I want to talk about you and your worst enemy. I wonder if you've ever, ever really identified who your worst enemy actually is. I don't think that it's, you know, the person who didn't talk to you when you tried to ask them out and just changing tack. When I was a teenager, I was not a band called Revelation. <laughs> yeah, of course you heard of us. And, uh, well, yeah. But I was a drummer. And like, I was really good. I was self-taught, but I was really, really good. And I guess I just got lots of funny drumming stories I'm not sure they're funny to everyone, but they are to me. And so I grew up in a church called Lower Hutt Assemblies of God. And, um, yeah, it was a cool church. It was several hundred people uh, at one point. Then in the 1960s, it was probably the largest church in New Zealand, great church, but in the hundreds. And being the drummer, that was kind of a big deal. And we used to have a platform, and it would start fairly high, and then it would have some steps come down, there'd be another platform, and a few more steps, another platform, and then stairs down the front to where the crowd was. Well, the drummer was always at the top, which I liked, because <laughs> everyone could see me. And uh, except for, you know, things kept going wrong. Clumsiness seems to come relatively natural to me. <laughs> I'm incredibly good at catching because well, when you're as clumsy as me, you're always dropping things, so you get very, very good at catching a knife, catching a fork, 
you get good at it, but <laughs> one time I was playing my drums and I was doing really, really well and I'm making sure I was louder than all the rest of the band, <laughs> which of course most drummers do. And it was all going well except for, you know, I went to do a big roll around the drums and you got the hi-hat here and you got the drum here and you got your snare obviously and a couple of drums here, and cymbals around the back and all was going well except one of these drums worked its way off, fell off while I was doing this big roll around the drums. Well, it didn't just fall off, it started to roll. <laughs> and it literally from the very top rolled along the top platform, down the stairs, rolled along the next platform, down the stairs, rolled down the final stairs all the way to where the congregation were and just literally kept rolling <laughs> along the aisle. So I had to come from up the very top, run down the stairs, walk, run down the stairs, run down the stairs, run down the aisle, pick up my drum and go back and just keep drumming. You know, it's kind of not so good for the ego, but my worst experience as church drummer, in fact, this is where my drumming career ended. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's an absolutely true story. One Sunday morning, there was an organist, Hammond organ, and, and me, and I guess a bass player, and I thought I was doing really, really well. But in the middle of the worship, the organist, who was also the music director, got up from the organ, walked over to me with a really mean look on his face, literally snatched the drumsticks from out of my hands, <laughs> went back to the organ, put them on his organ stool and sat on them <laughs> and kept playing. I was just left there feeling humiliated, totally embarrassed, humiliated, true story, true story. And uh, just one more drum story. <laughs> it's when I was at Bible college, we, uh, we, got to, we got to the end of college graduation. We had a special presentation, a special item, of course I was the drummer. And uh, I mean, I was the pastor's son, so even if there were other drummers there, I was gonna be the drummer. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, no doubt there were better drummers there. But in this big presentation, so place is packed, this big presentation, I had my moment. So it's literally like in the middle of the song, a drum solo. So I was so excited, because my moment was coming. And so it gets to the crescendo, time for the drum solo. And I start doing my, my thing and completely screwed it up. Lost my place, lost timing, lost everything. Literally destroyed the entire presentation. The whole thing just wound down. It just finished. Well, you listen, the Bible talks quite a lot about yourself. A lot of people like to talk a lot about themselves. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 and 13. Apostle Paul's talking about these super apostles, this super religious people. And he's saying about them in verse 12 and 13, for we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. If you're trying to count one verse seven times, it talks about selves or self. Class ourselves, compare ourselves, commend ourselves, measure ourselves, by ourselves, comparing ourselves among ourselves are not wise. Paul says, we however will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God appointed us. A sphere which especially includes you. Paul is saying to the Corinthians, themselves, themselves, ourselves, themselves. And it talks about people who, well, they were apostles supposedly, and they, they love to class themselves. Class themselves, you think about that, or just think about nobility, the lords and the ladies versus the commoners. That's classing yourself. The caste system, I think the lowest caste is called the pariha, like a dog, all the way up to the privileged. You think about the worker and the bosses, classing ourselves. You think about getting in an aeroplane. Someone mentioned that it felt like 
economy class uh, up there. Well, you know what it's like to get in a plane if you've ever caught a plane and you get in normally at the front with all those beautiful seats that lie down flat. And you look at those as the flight attendant gives you a really unhappy look and points you down to your seat <laughs> at the back of the plane. Anyone know that experience? And you know, it's very easy to perhaps look at being way down the back and you think, I deserve to be up there. Or maybe you get that, that you actually get that upgrade. You know, that one that you've never had before and you're in the very front, 1A and 1B. And you go up there, but you're thinking, I don't deserve to be here. I don't deserve to be here. I should be back there. Either way, you're classing yourself. You're up the back thinking, I deserve to be up there. You're at the front thinking, I deserve to be back there. Either way, you're classing yourself. In other words, we're thinking about what we deserve. Imagine if Jesus gave us what we deserve. Thank God He took our just deserves upon Himself. So we don't live by what we deserve. So why would we live our lives classing ourselves? And so it says they did not class themselves or compare themselves. Now that's a human weakness. Maybe you've heard a lot of preachers talk about comparison. Maybe you've talked about it yourself. But the fact is, it's not just a young people's issue, comparing. It's not just a millennial's issue. It's a human issue. And all of us can be guilty of comparing ourselves. Comparing here, comparing there. Maybe women are even more prone to it than, than us guys. She's skinnier than me. She's taller than me. She's prettier than me. I'm prettier than her. Comparing yourself. There's no, there's no life there. Class yourself, compare yourself with those who commend yourself. You know, that's a funny one because I, I travel a lot and I go to a lot of pastors' conferences and Every now and then you're in the green room, you're out the back and all the pastors are in there. And there's definitely people who just work the room. They've got their cards out, their cards out, and they're telling you about everything they do and how incredible they are and how important they are and how phenomenal they are. And you've got my card and I'm available if I ever could come to Hillsong. You know, I'd love to minister to your church. And they're just, they're pumping themselves and uh, commending themselves all the time. I, actually, when I was in South Africa where I stay, uh, Phil Dooley's up there. And when I was there in Cape Town, I stay in this beautiful hotel, but there's a, there's a little cafe bar sort of lost in there. And I got to know the guy in there and he's become a really good friend, a little Indian guy. And uh, he started telling me about this pastor. He's about a pastor from actually England. I knew the name. I don't personally know the guy, but I knew the name. And he told me, yeah, he said, that guy comes here every year and he, he said, he's always telling me, I, you know, I spoke to 100,000 people there and I've done that and I've done this and TV. And, and he said, he said I, don't, I don't like that. And then he gave me a compliment. He said, you don't talk like that. You know, it's so easy for us to get into that striving to commend ourselves, class ourselves, compare, yeah, have you heard me sing? I'm really, really good. By the way, while we're on the subject, you may not know this, <laughs> but I'm actually a pretty big deal. I actually am because what you don't know is, well, you know, I watch these guys from church winning these awards, Dove Awards and so on, and I happened to be at the Doves last week. Well, what you don't know, this is my Dove Award. You didn't know that, did you? I didn't steal this one from anyone else. It's actually it lives in my office and I've got a whole lot more. There's just a little sample of all my doves. Yeah, I've got many, many more doves. This one's just a sample. What's this one for? It says Gospel Music Association. Oh, I won this one for Song of the Year. What a beautiful name. Yeah, how's that? Yeah. It sits in my office. Yes, it does. I need to put it where you guys can all see my Dove Award. <laughs> you see, I don't get a lot of the credit. And if you're not impressed with that one, what about this one? Because this is not Brooks. This is not Ben Lidgewoods. <laughs> ben, what's your name? <laughs> ben, ben Fieldy. In fact, I could hardly even remember his name. <laughs> no, no. 
this is my granny. Yours is still at home. I didn't take it from Ben, I didn't take it from Brooke. This is my Grammy, I have a Grammy. What did I win this one for? National Academy of Recording Arts and Sciences. Uh, it won't, doesn't matter who it says it is for. Best Contemporary Christian Music Performance Song, 2017, what a beautiful name. Yeah. I'm a big deal around here. How many of you are starting to feel nauseated? Because that's kind of what commending yourself does. It does, by the way, it does sit in my office. I do have a whole lot of them, but I can't exactly, exactly say I wrote any of the songs. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure my sermons were a great inspiration into your life. And yeah, I'm sure that, yeah. You ever held a Grammy Award? You ever held one? You ever held one? Have you ever held it? Oh, hold it, hold it. Heavy, isn't it? Heavy. Hey, hey, excuse me. Don't breathe on it, You'll, it'll lose its sheen. It's gonna lose its shine. Yeah, thank you, I don't want you breathing all over it. That's my Grammy Award and that's my Dove Award right there. And in case you forget any time, they're mine. Yeah, those ones are mine. So, as ugly as obviously I am portraying them, so easy to get into classing yourself, comparing yourself, commending yourself, maybe even a little more subtle than that, or the other one's measuring yourself. We dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves are not wise. And then the Apostle Paul says, we, however, will not boast beyond measure. Not boasting beyond measure means we're content to be who God called us to be. Not boasting beyond measure really does mean that I am happy to live in the sphere that God has given me. Paul says, we won't boast beyond measure, but within the sphere that God has appointed us. If you measure yourself, measure around this way, maybe you're happy, maybe you're not. I can always tell how big I was when I buy jackets. Some of them I've got in my wardrobe, literally, I try to open, they come to here. This one's not so bad, I only got it a bit earlier in the year, so I can always tell where I'm up to with a jacket. You measure yourself, you measure. Look, so the thing is, you start measuring yourself, you're always gonna find someone taller. You're always gonna find someone bigger. And yet it's just human nature. It's kind of what we do. Maybe you think, well, I don't really, but well, if we really look at ourselves, selves, notice, self is often the problem. In that one verse, it talks about themselves, ourselves, themselves, seven times, seven different times. And when I talk about self, I'm actually thinking about ego. What I wanna talk about is you and God's incredible potential for you and everything He's got planned for you. He said, I know the thoughts I have towards you, thoughts of, good and not of evil to give you a future and a hope, not yourself. You see, what's the difference? I'm thinking of self in terms of the flesh, ego, because ego is so destructive in creativity, in teams, in church life, really in our personal world, it is so destructive. And so if I look up the word ego, and go to the thesaurus. I love thesauruses because they remind me of dinosaurs. So the thesaurus, <laughs> and I look up the word egocentric, which really just means my whole life revolves around my ego. Do you know anyone like that? <laughs> Maybe the person next to you knows someone like that. <laughs> and so I look up egocentric and of course the thesaurus gives us Similar words, and so listen to them. Self-centered, vain, selfish, narcissistic, self-absorbed, egotistical, inward-looking, self-important, self-obsessed, self-seeking. <laughs> Regarding everything only in relation to oneself. 
self-centered. Well, of course, that never, ever happens in the body of Christ, does it? And especially not amongst the creatives. That never happens. It never does. You see, ego is your worst enemy. I say, what's your worst enemy? Well, we've obviously got the devil, but he's a defeated foe. If you read the finished work of Jesus, if we could just get over ourselves, if I were to say to you, get over yourself, it would be seen as an insult, but it's the best thing any of us could ever do. If you wanna talk about what Christ redeems, if you wanna talk about what the Holy Spirit endues with power, if you wanna bring clarity to your spirit and to your soul and to your mind, there is nothing that will cloud your soul and cloud your spirit and cloud your inner person like self and ego. Because we get self-conscious, we're just ruled by all sorts of things, we get insecure, we're worried about too many things. And, and tragically, the devil loves to get on the back of ourselves. I don't know, 100% whether it's a battle we ever win completely this side of eternity. But I do know what a challenge it is when we look at just the destructive power of self in the lives of people, in the lives of teams. Team is a beautiful thing. And to me, it signifies unity. To me, it's oneness. To me, it's exactly what God blesses. And to be honest, if the devil can do anything to get our ego and our self into the centre of our teams, maybe we'll never see the blessing we hope for. Maybe we'll never see. I'm talking to a lot of people who quite frankly are selfless. I'm not saying everyone's won the battle. I'm not even saying I've won the battle because I sure haven't. But I looked in when I was overseas on church, but church hadn't started. It was maybe just after 6.30 a.m. Bobby and I have a link where we can just look into this building and here's the team. They were already warming up their voices. You know, maybe it's, not, maybe it's not a big deal. Week after week after week, when most people are still in bed, they're coming to church, but the team are already here. They're already preparing. It's not even light outside. It's still dark outside, but they do this year after year after year. I'm sure it's the same for many of you as well, selfless people. Go to Hillsong, London, and they're there unloading these big semi-trailer trucks. Someone drives a truck across the city in the early hours of the morning. I've seen them doing it in the snow. And here they have five o'clock in the morning unloading trucks for the day. And you could repeat that story over and over. Thank God for the selflessness, because I'll tell you honestly, God will grace that. God will bless that. God will anoint that. God will fulfill His Word in that. But if we could over, only overcome the battle that we all have, and yes, I said we all have, with self, because it is so destructive. It really is. It's your own worst enemy. Self gets on the back of you, you being the part of you that Christ redeems. It's hard to run when you're carrying yourself around on your back. It's hard to soar when you're carrying yourself around on your back. Self, it, it disrupts your sweet spirit. It fills your soul with meism. Me, 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 I. It truly destroys genuine teamwork. And it sabotages relationships. Because it's all about me. I think it's a mature enough audience for me to say it, but even in your personal, intimate marriage relationship, if sex is just about self-gratification and me, 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 it's never going to be as wholesome as God intended it. And if it's all about you, maybe not so good for the other person. But if it's all about how I can bless you and satisfy you, if we could just live our lives not allowing self to stay on our back, it will disrupt 
your sweet spirit and it will disrupt the sweet spirit in our teams. It will literally allow your soul to be filled with meism, like I say. It, it destroys relationships, destroys friendships. It ultimately can de- destroy team and so many things that God graces and God blesses. And that's why I pray that we can know some of the, some of the keys to breaking the power of self. That's, that's what has so many of us living so far below where, where we should be living. There were too many years. First night's a Hillsong conference. I'd be so locked up and so stressed and so, because why? Because I was ruled by everything that was going on. And ultimately, I'm thinking about myself. If I was just thinking about people and what God wanted to do in people's lives and how we're going to bless people, I wouldn't be thinking about myself. I'd be thinking about you. Harry, hold my Grammy for a while. (laughs) But don't wreck it, all right? Don't wreck it. Fantastic. (laughs) Incredible. Just having fun. But you know, the devil is the king of I. He really is the king of me. You may know that scripture in Isaiah where it talks about Lucifer's fall from heaven. And it says in Isaiah 14, verse 12, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said, where? In your heart. I will ascend into the heavens. I will exalt my throne. I also sit on the mount of the congregation. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high God. You notice all of it was about elevating. I will exalt my throne. I will, I will, I will, I will be like the most high God. You shall be brought down to Sheol. It continues to hell, to the lowest depths of the pit. There's no power in allowing self to rule your life. And I think beautiful, beautiful ministries, fulfilling the very best for your gift and your talent, really glorifying God with what you have, if we could just get over ourselves. You see, the devil, he's filled with I, the king of I, the king of meism. And he, he loves to throw parties, I think, the devil. Like masquerade parties. Let's pretend. And he invites all the guests. And I'll tell you right now, he invites pride. And pride decides to masquerade, to dress up like humility. And uh, the thing is, we can still tell it's pride. Trying to look like humility. Oh, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's all about him. Hey, don't take photos that side. This is my good side here, okay? But it's not about me. To God be the glory. It's not about me. No photos, no photos. It's not about me. Take a photo. Get over yourself. Chill out. Make someone happy. Let them have a photo with you. It might help you to get more people following you on Instagram. You never know. Hey. But it's not about me. It's not about me. You know, the truth is that humility is beautiful. It actually compels. Pride always repels. It can masquerade itself however it likes, but it always repels. I think that, that pride, well, it, it strides. But with humility, It strives, but with humility, you thrive. You really do. Because the Bible is filled for promise for those who live with genuine humility. If you exalt yourself, same spirit, elevate yourself, God will humble you. Humble yourself. He's going to lift you and elevate you. We'll get right back to the episode, brought to you by our Hillsong Worship and Creative Conference, which happens in Sydney, Australia. Come be a part of everything happening on site, like the exclusive collabs with practical training from our key Hillsong team. 
The conference has limited spaces, so if you can't make it to Sydney this year, why not join the online conference experience so you don't miss a moment of the main sessions? Find out more details at hillsong.com forward slash WCC. Now, let's get back to the episode. This may be elementary. It may be a little practical for first night of a conference, but honestly, if we could, if we could really nail this one, I'm telling you, there'd be revival in churches. There'd be such unity in team. There'd be so much, so much compelling that literally from the highways and the byways, people would come, they'd come, they would come because of what God was doing. And so maybe, you know, ego decides to dress up like confidence. So becomes brash and arrogant and talks over the top of people. But of course, it, it'll never work. I, I, think, I think ego always will demand because it's all about me. One of the words that was narcissistic, that's a pretty heavy word, but it means it's all about me. And it will always demand, but if we live our lives with godly confidence, it will command. By that, I mean, what the Lord does in you, it'll be commanding. Uh, maybe if you looked at it in a you know, non-spiritual word, but you'd have a charisma about you that just draws people because it's godly confidence. It's not built in ego, it's built in who God is and what God's doing in your life. And it's just a reality that the devil, he is gonna try always, always to have us allow self-sabotage us because if we allow self to sabotage us, all my years of pastoring, and there's been quite a lot of years now, anytime anyone makes it about themselves, it's a road towards a sad end. Anytime. But if we learn to die to self, die to self, die to self. And that's what Paul said. Paul, the Apostle Paul was hard on self. He really was. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, this is what he says. He said, I've been crucified with Christ. <laughs> My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. Suddenly what everyone thinks of me is not quite so important. Or have your good opinion, he says. And I no longer am driven to impress God, which is something. We're called to glorify God. We're called to love God. We're called to honour God. But we're never called to impress God. And when you're God, you're pretty hard to impress. <laughs> I mean, been there, done that. <laughs> I was on an aeroplane long, long time ago when back in the day when they used to stamp your passports, passport every, every country you went in. They don't seem to do that as much anymore, but they'd always stamp your passport. And I was in the plane one day really getting impressed with myself. Just going through my passport thinking, wow. Counting countries, you know, how many times have we been to America? One, two, three, four, five. So I was a young, I was a young guy, and I'm going through really, really starting to feel good about myself with all these stamps in my passport. And I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, "Big deal." <laughs> but it didn't stop there. He said, "I'm in all those countries at the same time." <laughs> it's like, all right. All right. <laughs> yeah. So much that God has gifted you that self is going to try and sabotage. And maybe at the top of the list is your gift and talent. Because everyone tells you how good you are at this. And praise God for the encouragement. But you see, self can so easily camouflage what God wants to do with your gift and what God, because I don't think ever that God's going to anoint your ego or yourself. He'll anoint you. He'll fill you with the Holy Spirit. It'll get on your gift and talent. It'll get on your calling, which by the way is called in the Scripture a holy calling. 
And there's nothing holy when we allow our ego and our self and our vanity or whatever other word you'd like to use to get on our back and just rob us of so much that God has for you. When self gets on the back of your motivation, all of a sudden you're not motivated to see the lost one or to see people worshipping even or to see God doing something great. Quite frankly, you're motivated by, look at me, look at me. See my Grammys? (laughs) You don't care about my Grammy, do you? Nah. Yeah, you'd care if you had one. (laughs) Honestly, I'll tell you what self really gets on the back of, your well-being. So much talk about mental health. And rightly so, it's a real issue. But my goodness, if we could learn to break the power of self, I think it would be well with your soul. I think you'd be able to sing it's well with my soul and I think it really would be true that it is well with your soul. God wants you to genuinely be well on the inside. But it's just another thing that self will try to sabotage. Just so much of what God's got for you. Self is going to try to sabotage. Well, listen, I love what Paul says, to be honest. He got tough with his self. He said, I've been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central in the message. (laughs) My jumbo ego is no longer central. If you don't know what I did there, I actually paraphrased the paraphrase. (laughs) It's pretty cool. It's no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. Doesn't mean we don't care what other people think in all the wrong ways, but it's not what rules us. If I'm just trying to help you, I'm not worried about what you think. I just want to help you. (laughs) And I'm no longer driven to impress God. Well, here's the thing. In Christ, every crucifixion is followed by what? A resurrection. One person out of thousands (laughs) knew what happened at Easter time. (laughs) After the crucifixion comes a resurrection. But it's what happens in between that's important. Because of course, Jesus, dead, makes his way down into hell, has this incredible, overwhelming victory over the Satan, over the devil himself. As a matter of fact, that victory, the word in, in the Greek, it goes like this, hypernikemen. Hypernikemen, so hyper, over the top. Nike, pshht, victory, <laughs> victory, pshht, victory, men. So I talked to our men at a men's event, maybe last year, inspired them all to be hypernikemen. In other words, over the top, victorious men. Pretty cool. But listen to me. Jesus won a victory. And if we can only learn how to allow that victory to flood over us so the devil can't get on the back of our God-given potential and just try to diminish us and rob us by the power of self. Of course, in a whole church, when it's all about self, that church is headed for major problems, division, strife. Because carnality comes and everything comes in. But if we could genuinely understand the work of Jesus Christ, that's what I love. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. But then he goes on, verse 21, and after the crucifixion, there's a resurrection. You see, in verse 21, you can see it there, Christ lives in me. So how does this happen? He just died. But now... Christ living in Him. The life you see me living is not mine, but it is lived by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. The Scripture says, Christ lives in me. So something's died and something's still alive. And maybe that's the difference between yourself and you. 
Do you hear what I'm saying? Something's got to die. Crucify it. Die. But die doesn't mean poor me, poor me, poor me. I'm going to die, I'm going to die. It doesn't mean that at all. No, what it means is I don't want to be bound and ruled by my flesh, by my ego, by my pride. I don't want to be ruled by that. It's got to die. And if we let that die, then all of a sudden you're the vessel that God intended you to be. Christ can indeed live in you. And it's beautiful. So listen, here's what the Bible also says in Colossians 3 and verse 3 and 4. It puts it just like this. In fact, in the New King James, it says this. For you died. How do you feel? For you died. That's what the Bible says. So if you died, what's alive? But in the message, it says it like this. Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God. He is your life. I wanna talk about your new life because that's where the hope is. That's where the future is. That's where the victory is. We've done enough talking about self and what it tries to do to destroy. So the Bible says, the life that I now live. Let's think about the life that you now live. Let's think about the life that God now intends for you to live. And think about how beautiful and powerful that life actually really is. Think what God can do in that new life. Because now it's not about you or yourself. It is about you. But it's about the part of you that Christ redeems. It's about the part of you the Holy Ghost does in you with power. It's about the part of you that genuinely have a God-given future and a God-given hope. It's the part of you that is called to walk humbly. What is it? Do justly. Love mercy. Walk humbly with your God. It's the part of you that when you read David, when he says, praise the Lord, listen to what he says. He said, praise the Lord. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvellous are your works and that my soul knows very well. Look, David wasn't looking in the mirror and thinking, look, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. By the way, in my family, Bobby's wonderfully made and I'm fearfully made. <laughs> no, it wasn't the spirit of it. He said, marvellous are your works, O Lord. The spirit of it, it starts, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I am fearfully and wonderfully made marvellous to your Lord. God, that you would allow me to be a vessel for you to use. God, that I could be someone whose gifts and talents were surrendered to you. Thank you for the life you've given me. Thank you for my health. Thank you that I can know you in a personal way. Thank you for forgiving me at the time of my sin and my failure. Thank you, Lord, that what you've created is fearful and wonderful. But he wasn't thinking about how wonderful he was. He was thinking about how wonderful God is. That's worship. And when worship builds a foundation for us to go on into a holy calling and to everything God's got for us, the future and the hope that the Bible talks about, the exceeding abundant and above anything you could ever ask or think according to His power that works in you. All of that is promised for you. There's so much God has for you. Let's like Paul say, crucify the flesh. And then start thinking about the life I now live. Just don't start dead, there's no power there. Yeah, it's a funny how the ghost of the old man, I don't mean your father, the ghost of the old man starts to rattle. How the, the bones of the skeleton of the old nature start to rattle. It really, really, I pray that God will give us the grace to recognise that if we can just get over ourselves, there's so much beauty in what Jesus wants to do. So much beauty in all He wants to do. I mentioned Micah 6 verse 8. Show me, show me God. This is how it says it. I want to read it first in the New, in the New King James. Show me, Lord, what is good. 
What does the Lord require of me? Listen, that I do justly, that I walk humbly with my God. And in the message, look at it here. But He's already made it plain how to live, what to do. What God is looking for in men and women, it's quite simple. Do what is fair and just to your neighbour. Be compassionate and loyal in your love. And listen to this, all creatives, don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. <laughs> don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. Now, I mean, I would automatically there, show me what is good, what does the Lord require of me, do justly. My mind would go to social justice, helping the needy, helping the poor, you know, love mercy. I mean, and, and absolutely, absolutely. But you imagine even amongst our teams, you imagine just amongst our staff, you imagine amongst our creative team, our, our worship teams, and we're just all committed because we're dead. That self and that pride and that ego, it's dead. And so what's alive is that God-given, Christ-given potential. And so amongst ourselves, we do justly. We treat each other right. We just treat each other well. We love mercy. We're grace people. We care for each other. We're not condemning and judging. No, no, we, we love mercy. And walk humbly. Humility is beautiful. Don't put it on. Don't fake it. And it doesn't work. Just be someone who genuinely, authentically is not making it about yourself. Because what God wants to do in you, I can't overestimate it. I can't overestimate it. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Well, glory, here in our own church, Pastor Robert on Sunday, Sunday night, he, he talked about what glory is from Exodus 33 when Moses, he asked God, show me your glory. And God's goodness passed by him. And it goes on. Let me read it. Here it is. Exodus 33 verse 19. Moses said, verse 18, show me your glory. And then he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and I'll proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So Christ in me, Christ in you, the hope of glory. What's glory? God's goodness, God's grace and God's name. You imagine everything that we do when it comes to our call, when it comes to the will of the Lord in our lives. You imagine if we all just could understand that it's not no, no longer I that lives, it's Christ that lives in me, Christ in me, the hope of glory. So all of a sudden, my power, my fuel, it's, it's goodness, it's the goodness of God. It's the grace of God. And I live under the name that's above every name. That, that indisputable name for us as New Testament believers, His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. The name of the Lord, a strong and mighty tower. I'm telling you, this is where revival comes from. Revival comes from us dying to ourselves and genuinely loving each other loving mercy, walking humbly, doing right by each other, not taking ourselves too seriously. I like that one. That's why I love having a church whose culture is we know how to laugh hard and we know how to worship hard. God's got so much for you. God has got so much for you. You know, I'd love to call people to the front on this, just issues with self and, you know, just needing to break the power of self and self-consciousness and comparing and classing and measuring and commending and all those things. But there's two problems. One, there's no room. <laughs> Number two, if we're all honest, we would all need to come forward. Yeah. Truly. I think this is a, a fight that all of us have to be committed to and win and win, but you can win. And it's kind of like what's happening right now in Syria, you know, the war was won with ISIS, but you still got to keep your lookout. 
as before you know it, you've got the same problems happening all over again. And so who's committed to winning this battle? The battle over your own worst enemy. And your own worst enemy is not you, it's yourself. Who's committed to winning this battle in Jesus' Name? We're gonna win it, we're gonna win it, we're gonna win it in the Name of Jesus. Amen. How great is Pastor Brian? That was him coming to you from our Worship and Creative Conference. I don't know about you, but for me, there's things that I could really take away from that message and implement. I think that maybe for some of us, and think about yourself, for some of us, we don't even realise when we're being self-centred, when we're approaching our team, our life, even our creativity with self in mind instead of others in mind. And so I'd encourage you as a takeaway from today, why don't you chat with a friend, find someone that you trust, maybe a mentor, and ask them about the way they perceive you and the way you approach life and see if it's, if, if it's a reality because maybe there's some blind spots. Maybe there's some areas in your life you don't even realise where you're being self-centred or you're being a little bit selfish maybe and that you could change in. And maybe by chatting to someone that you trust, they might be able to help open your eyes and you might be able to just be aware of how you're actually being perceived and how your actions are really playing out in real life. Hey, so why don't you do that? I will do the same and together we can move forward. Deal? Deal. That's it for today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it and it's been useful for your journey. If you haven't already, I'd love to take a minute just to encourage you to subscribe. When you do that, you become part of our growing community of creatives who are trying their best to live out their faith through their creativity. So join us anywhere you find your podcasts, subscribe, and then you won't miss out on anything. And I always love to hear from you. So please write us a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. It helps with the visibility of the podcast and it lets us know what you think, what you're enjoying and where we can go with the podcast in the future. Aside from that, you can write to me on Twitter or Instagram at Rich Langton and we'll talk to you next time.